At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This clip is brought to you by Coca-Cola. The holidays always find a way. It's about enjoying the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with good friends and family, delicious food, and of course, an ice cold Coke. This is our very first episode as Locatora Radio for the My Cultura Network. We're beyond thrilled. We're in a legitimate studio space and we have not seen the inside of one of these in many years. Coca-Cola, proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Cartier, Rolex, Gucci, Prada, Jordan, Adidas, Bottega Veneta, at eBay, it's real or it's getting the fake out. eBay's team of luxury authenticators make sure you never get faked over. Watches inspected by watch aficionados. Sneakers checked by legit sneakerheads. Handbags examined by handbag connoisseurs. And jewelry in the scopes of expert gemologists. The details inspected, the fakes rejected. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Everyone deserves real. Visit ebay.com for terms. Let me guess. Unknown caller? You could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection. The latest innovation from Discover will help regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And we'll do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Pelicans podcast. Hop on the bandwagon. There's plenty of room. The podcast is, as always, presented by SeatGeek. 
I am your host, Joe Cardosi, at jcar504 on Twitter if you want to get at me. There's going to be a mystery guest today. Ooh, the room is getting foggy and dark. Let's find out who it is. All week, you've asked yourself. Who could the mystery guest be on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast? In the wide, strange world of sports, who might reveal themselves to be worthy of being the Friday Mysteries. Sports stars, writers, television and radio personalities. Any and all could reveal themselves to be he or she, the mystery guest on Friday's podcast. The time has come. That time is now. All will be revealed. The mystery guest is... Mr. Jim Eichenhofer, writer for NewOrleansPelicans.com. Good morning, Joe. How's it going? It's great to be here. <laughs> oh, man. It's, you know, why go with the rest when you can have the best? You know, certainly, Joe, uh, full disclosure, we did have a, on Fridays, we're trying to have a writer every each week, and we did have a writer in, in our uh, crosshairs, but he had a conflict and was in a, um, unable to be here, mm-hmm. so therefore, I will be filling the void. And I have to say, too, throughout the season, there will be times on Fridays in particular where where I uh, I jump in. We're, we're going to have a rotation of writers that cover the team. I happen to be one of them. Yeah, so. the best one. <laughs> uh, also, the writer we were trying to get was Herman Melville. Turns out he's been dead for a number of years, which <laughs> I guess I should have Googled that. That's, that's quite a reference there. I like it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was uh, poor poor planning on my part. Uh, but no, we did have, we will have someone, uh, we'll have a different writer that's not me next week. So yeah. we'll, we'll be back Maybe. Into, the, into the rotation. Yeah. Right, exactly. But th- this week, you are lucky enough to be graced with Mr. Jim Eichenhofer as the guest. Because, man, we've got a lot to talk about. Woo! That Brooklyn game felt good, huh? Yes, if there was a week to be the guest in a, in a show, it was this one. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can keep this within an hour or under an hour. I mean, it was unbelievable, the list of positive things that happened in that game. I mean, the Pelicans have really been the talk of the NBA the last couple of days for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot, there were a lot of things that have gone on over the last three nights of basketball. But in particular, Wednesday, there were I think there were 12 games in the league, and the Pelicans kind of stole the spotlight and took the stage. Um, I didn't, we talked about before the game how that was might have been the most interesting game in the NBA. Yeah, and that that, night. That they missed the boat by not televising it nationally. Right, right. And I, I think the – I mean, it really was, but just only from the Pelicans' standpoint, it wasn't really a night to remember whatsoever for Brooklyn, or and it wasn't even – it definitely wasn't a very competitive game either. So people didn't miss out from that standpoint of not getting to see that game on national TV. But they did miss out on just seeing an absolute exhibition of the Pelicans doing just about everything well in that game. But even if the Nets looked bad, I think people were interested in the dynamics of that team. How would they look? How would Ben Simmons gel with the team? How would he look after coming back for so much time? How would the team in general look after Kevin Durant's and and Kyrie Irving's drama. So even if they did come out flat, 
there's a certain amount of schadenfreude with, you know, NBA fans around the league who have been sick of just the Nets being breathlessly covered uh, <laughs> in the offseason. I think they wanted to see how that looked. And boy, did the Pelicans show them how different <laughs> that these two teams are. Yeah, the, the Nets, like you said, I mean, they looked out of sorts, disheveled, especially in the first quarter when they went down a ton. They were losing 32 to 14. But you have to give New Orleans a ton of credit for how bad Brooklyn looked. I mean, yeah. New Orleans played really great defense. I think they were anticipating a lot of passes. Brooklyn was definitely sloppy, and that contributed to that as well. But, I mean, you have to say that I think there are a lot of teams that Brooklyn could have played exactly the same way and gotten a much different result. I mean, New Orleans was just clicking. And it was it was surprising a little bit to me, but also just more so impressive that they were able to come out after not the starting lineup hadn't been together all preseason, yeah. and they come out, and you would have thought that they had played 15, 20 games together in preseason. Everything just looked like it was in sync. I thought the Pelicans had some turn, like early season turnovers that you that in the, especially in the first half. Yeah. But um, overall, I mean, it, you got to give an A plus on that effort. The, the performance was just just awesome for the first game of the season. Yeah, and, and and they didn't get rattled even when the Nets sort of started chipping away in that second quarter. KD still got a ton of points, let's be honest. Yeah, he, he was really He good. was Kevin Durant that mm-hmm. night. Uh, but, man, Zion, and, and the thing is, Zion had an amazing game. Uh, he had 25 points, and I think he left a bunch on the floor. I mean, you know, you don't want to complain about a guy shooting about 50%. Yeah. But Zion, for Zion, that's kind of a down night. It, like, it really is, th- yeah. That really is kind of shaking off some rust. So it, it, it could have been better. I thought there were times in preseason where – he looked like he just needs to – he's still trying to find a rhythm. I mean, the guy is just so good that he can have nights where he doesn't look like he's totally 100% in terms of basketball, back to basketball and just the rhythm of it and still have 25 points. But, yeah, he he's a 60% shooter, and I think he missed a couple shots in the paint. I mean, I think all 22 of his shots were in the paint, so I guess all yeah. of the misses were there. But – um. Yeah, he yeah. made 11 of 22, so he made exactly 50%, right. which, again, is is absurd, but that's a down night for yeah. Zion. And as he gets his feet under him a little bit more and gets into more of a uh, – back to the way he usually is, um, I think you'll see him have he, – he'll, he'll, every player is still going to have nights like that where they miss some bunnies and they miss some five-foot flip shots, but I think – that's going to be few and far between as he gets more games under him. And he's going to get so many more looks now that you have actual floor spacers and you have shooting threats all around him. And you've got other big bodies in the paint with him. I mean, it, it just seems like Zion is going to be able to get whatever he wants. Ben Simmons is supposedly one of the best defenders, one of the most versatile defenders in the NBA, and Zion made him look ridiculous. Yeah, it's not a great matchup for Ben Simmons. I mean, it's not a great matchup for a lot of guys, but um... – Zion just seemed like he overwhelmed Ben Simmons. I mean, obviously, just a lot stronger than Ben Simmons, more muscular, more bulk, but also just as quick and probably quicker. So, I mean, it's just it was a rough it was a rough night. And I think for Brooklyn overall, the fact that the Nets had to attach themselves to a lot of shooters helped Zion as well in terms of just the open space that he had. It was amazing to me how many times he caught the ball maybe ten feet from the basket and had really just had to beat the guy in front of him. They didn't have anybody else that was coming over to help. All he had to do was just drive to the basket. And as we know from watching him two seasons ago, he's one of the best guys in the league at 
I've, I'm putting my head down and going to the rim, and you can't stop me. Yeah. And that happened a lot in the game against Brooklyn. What sort of p- pick your poison? If, if, if Zion's going to throw his shoulder into you and back you up, he's going to get that every time. If you give him space because you don't want to get that body on Zion, he's going to drive to the rim on you too. You can't give yep. him space. You've got to get on him, which is not a fun assignment. And I don't think a lot of NBA players are built to do. So as as bad as as Brooklyn looked against Zion, that's not even something that I would blame on the Nets. I think that's just pro Zion. I think that's going to be something you see all season long. Yeah, and Antonio Daniels talked about during the broadcast at, about how good Zion is at kind of taking up that space. Like you said, some defenders are going to give him the mid range shot and say, "Hey, we know this isn't something. This we don't. We know you don't want to take a 12, 15 foot shot, so we'll give you that." But he's like, well, if you're going to give me 10 feet between you and, and where I'm standing right now, I'll just drive. Yeah, he'll close right that space you. immediately. Right, and, and he'll, he'll end up getting to the rim either way. So I think other teams are going to try to bring multiple bodies to him on those drives and make it so that he's not driving against one player. Brooklyn didn't do a good, good job of that at all. But at the same time, with everybody surrounding Zion having a good offensive game and so many guys making threes, um, it's just easier said than done. It's easy to sit here in a nice air-conditioned studio and say, <laughs> yeah. say, oh, yeah, this is all you have to do to, to try to slow him down, but then you get on the court and it's a different problem. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of big bodies and speaking of threes, you know, not a lot of people are talking about Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, you know, he didn't shoot a ton of threes, but he made the one he shot, and I think people forget about that element of Jonas's game is that he is a three-point shooter, but alongside Zion in the paint, those are two big bodies no one really wants to deal with. Right, and two seasons ago when Zion played with Steven Adams, people were worried about the spacing of having two bigs that are going to try to play around the basket. Jonas is more of a, a three-point shooter. I mean, Steven Adams is not a three-point shooter at all. No. He, he doesn't shoot beyond, say, 10 feet from the basket. Even if you see him take a mid-range shot, you're kind of like, wait, was that Steven Adams that right. just took that? <laughs> so it's a, different, it's a different player, but I do think that watching the game against Brooklyn and even watching some in preseason, the one thing that I hadn't thought about that much and I don't think it had really been discussed was the attention that Zion draws in the paint. All of a sudden now Jonas is freed up for offensive rebounds and tip-ins. He had a couple baskets that way where he's like, he's just standing on the doorstep just waiting for the ball to carry him off the rim. Nobody's there to box him out. And even in Brooklyn's case, if there was somebody to box him out, He's just a physical, physically overwhelming to a Nets team that has some guys that are, they have some height and some length, but they don't have a lot of strength or muscle. So, I mean, if he if he makes up his mind at the size that Jonas is to just plant himself under the basket, you need a couple guys to even move him off of his spot. And Brooklyn really didn't have any success at that. So just going back to his pairing with Zion, I'm looking forward to that as well, just to see. How many times in the in last season where Jonas was getting boxed out by multiple guys and you can't do that now because you yeah. have you have to worry about Zion. And and that's the thing is like who in the NBA there's not many teams that have the personnel to deal with a big physical center like like Jonas Valančiūnas or even like a Willie Hernan Gomez when he yeah. comes in. Uh mm-hmm. you know Steven Adams maybe, but a lot of centers in the NBA are now they're tall, they're they've got length mm-hmm. like you said, but but they're not physically imposing. And to have that presence in the paint alongside a Zion, it, that's going to be really difficult personnel-wise for teams to cover. You know, this is a brief tangent, and I'm, I'll get back to the specifics of what we're talking about, but when what you just said reminded me of 
the Pelicans versus Minnesota is going to be a, a really interesting matchup because they have Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. That's the one team off the top of my mind that that says, okay, we have the kind of size that can combat the Pelicans. But yeah, there aren't many teams that have that qualify in the category of of able to match up physically with Jonas and Zion. If anything, the in, the league across the board is more going in the direction of Brooklyn, where you have a thin power forward, Kevin Durant. You have a center, Nick Claxton, who's, I think, has potential to be a good player. But he's, yeah, he's their third leading scorer that he, night. I mean, yeah. he actually got some work. And he's, but he's, his, his ability, what he can contribute is more based on his athleticism and his energy and stuff like that. He's not going to, you know, wrestle with guys around the basket. So it, it was, a, it was, I mean, we saw a 36 to four advantage in second chance yeah. points for the Pelicans, That's which massive. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I mean, somebody from one of the stat gathering organizations would have to go back and look at that and see when the last time a team was plus 32 in that category. Yeah, and that would be like a sneaky himbo question <laughs> get up or something. Yeah. That would be hard to figure out. Yeah, and the Pelicans won rebounding 61 to 39. It was just utter domination on the on the board. So I'm curious to see how they do against some of these teams coming up. Just if you're able to even come close to that kind of um, dominance on the boards consistently. That's a, that's a huge advantage. And, and I don't want to make this the Zion show because honestly, for the Pelicans, pretty much everybody ate. But you know, when you, when you look at his quickness, especially now that he's looking in shape and and he, and he really looks good, it's not only Zion's first jump; it's his second, third jump. He's he's going up for rebounds two, three times before a lot of other players are getting their first jump up. I mean, just having him under the rim for those second chance points is such. I mean, it's it's a thing that we missed and i and i think seeing it in action is is remarkable yeah it, it reminds you of what we saw two seasons ago and i think after he had the long layoff i think most people thought you know he's it'll take him you know november thanksgiving maybe before christmas he'll find his stride but it's pretty amazing to see him already look like that in the very first game of the season i know there was a ton of talk about his first game in 500 something days and Ben Simmons's first game in 500 something days. Yeah. And it's funny if you listen to the analysis and I'm not trying to take a shot at Ben Simmons here, but you hear a lot of, you, you, you hear a lot of people say, well, you know, Ben Simmons looked rusty because he hadn't played in 500 something days. And we're like, Our guy well, did fine. <laughs> right, right. We're like, well, uh, what about this? This Zion guy also had an even longer layoff between when he played in a, in a real game because Ben Simmons was in the playoffs and, 2021 played into june so um and i'm not trying to diminish any mental health issues or anything like that but ben simmons didn't play because he didn't wanna zion didn't play because he was injured right and so you know not not all absences are are built the same i mean ben simmons could still get work in when zion was still rehabbing and working on his on his you know rehabilitation Mm -hmm. so in terms of the rust it didn't look like Ben Simmons really wanted to go against Zion. Yeah, you know, you bring up something that reminds me of one of the things I was going to mention about the Pelicans, too, in the game Wednesday. They look so hungry. They look determined. They look like from the first minute of the game, I know they led the entire night. The Nets never had the lead, so it was a wire-to-wire win. They just seemed like they were so ready to play, and I feel like that's one thing that I would love to see every single game is just them having an advantage on the other team in terms of just the determination that they have to win games. I feel like they they played like they have so much to prove. I feel like sometimes we see um, teams or maybe more so individual players that I kind of jokingly watch the way they approach the game, and I say, like, 
would you have rather just walked out on the court and said, here's my resume, here's what I've done. <laughs> right. And I've been in the league 10 years. Is this, this is good enough, right? Like I don't actually have to play tonight. Can, I mean, I've, here's my accomplishments. So, um, to see the Pelicans look the way that they did, where it was like, it's zero, zero, the game's starting. Everything's on the line here. It's the first game of the season. We have 82 of them, but we're going to play this. Like it's a playoff game. And just to see the intensity that they had was was pretty cool and a lot of fun. And the only time I really saw the Nets sort of have that fire in their eye, I'm, I'm not sure who it was. It was either Devontae Graham or Najee Marshall or maybe both of them. Someone or both of them were talking smack to Tev- Kevin Durant on the bench. And Kevin Durant looked over and, I mean, stared the bench down for a good <laughs> while. And in that second quarter, he kind of caught fire. He did. Uh, and, and I was worried, like, oh, man, did they just wake up? the the beast by by talking smack but we were able to quell that and just keep on rolling never gave up the lead and were able to just basically pace them out that was another part of the game that was impressive to me for the pelicans is that durant was durant for a lot of that game yeah like he was his usual unstoppable self he had a really good game i think he finished with uh was it 32 points on 11 for 21 shooting i mean he was really good he he had stretches where you say um as good as the defense is against him, there's not much you can do sometimes when he's pulling up for those mid-range just so shots. Long. Right, yeah. exactly. He's seven, he's six thirteen, I think. He should <laughs> yeah. be listed as because I know he, he wants to be six ten or six eleven, yeah. even though he really is a seven footer. Um must be nice to want to be shorter than <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, really. And uh I mean Herb was still able to get a block against him, but overall um, which was crazy, and really no was. one's talking about that. Yeah, it's insane how on the Sports Center highlights you're seeing, you know, the Kevin Durant block against you know Bi or Zion, but no one's showing the Herb block. How many players in NBA history can say they blocked a Kevin Durant three pointer, especially <laughs> second year players? Yeah, I I would love to see that list, and it's it's amazing that's not getting more play. Maybe because Herb Jones isn't a big name yet. <laughs> but boy, look out. Yeah, and Herb was, by the way, was a plus 34 in that game, which I think is surprising to absolutely no one. Splashed a three, too. Yeah, I mean, he was, I think overall, his performance, maybe just numbers-wise, especially offensively, wasn't as flashy as the slew of other players for the Pelicans who did maybe more damage, but he was very valuable to that win, and and like I said, not not a surprise to anyone. Jim, I mean, what what did you think? I mean, I I know you mentioned that the the Pelicans looked hungry, but... How did you feel they played together overall? I mean, a lot of these guys playing together for the first time, uh, you know, in a long time, if ever. Uh, yeah. How do you how do you feel they came together against a Nets team that's you know that's no joke? It was great. I mean, they had 31 assists, and I mean, from the eye test, it just seemed like they were making the extra pass a ton. They were a step ahead of the Nets because of that. The Nets defense was just always making a late rotation, and so I thought New Orleans beyond just the size advantage and the rebounding that we talked about to be able to get layups and dunks. Um, the passing was a big reason why they yeah. were able to look so good offensively, obviously finished with 130 points, scored 72 in the second half. Um, one of the things that I tweeted after the game was, or maybe it was during the fourth quarter was um, there's always, if you've ever played basketball at a YMCA, if you pit a bunch of older guys against some younger guys that are way younger and faster and more athletic, a lot of times the older guys win because they understand how to play and they understand making the extra pass and being unselfish instead of trying to go one-on-one like the younger guys tend to do because you know you, you think, oh, there's an old guy guarding me. I can just easily take him off the yeah. dribble. You, you work together. You have more teamwork. 
And I thought that was that's that situation kind of reminded me of the way the Pelicans looked against Brooklyn, except the difference was that New Orleans is younger than Brooklyn. So not only did they have more athleticism and quickness and speed up and down the court, but they also just played a much more savvy game and had better teamwork. So it was like when you factor that that stuff all together, it, it wasn't shouldn't be that surprising that. New Orleans was up by 26, 27, I think, at the at the peak in the, in yeah, the second Yeah, the ball half. moved great. I mean, and, and Brandon Ingram, his mid-range game was, of course, great. I mean, he, he looked like a pure scorer. He looked, I mean, if you squinted, he sort of looked like Kevin Durant yeah. in a lot of the ways he moved. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm seeing now he had five assists, but I think his potential assists were like 22 because of the way the ball moved. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was swinging it around, uh, and we, t- we talked all offseason and in the preseason – about the unselfishness of the Pelicans team, and I think it was on full display there. And I, I, I just don't think the Nets knew how to deal with it. It really was, and it's funny to me. Overall, there's so many preseasons where the players and coaches do a million interviews, and you listen to them talk about how the way they foresee the season, and then the first game of the season happens, and either because you're playing against really good competition, or you just don't have everything together on the same page, all the stuff that you talked about doesn't actually unfold on the court but this game it it really did in so many ways and i think yeah. that was pretty gratifying to see that everything that they talked about the last few weeks and even going back into the summer and the off season you got to see that on the court and it, it all kind of made sense to me when you when you look at the situation overall especially with the chemistry and the camaraderie and um cj mccollum talked about after the game too that the top three scorers on this team with being him Brandon Ingram and Zion, they all understand that there's going to be nights where some of the other guys have it going and it's about moving the ball. It's going to come, it might not be your night every night, but there's going to be plenty of games where you're the go-to guy and you're going to be able to get your points. And CJ also mentioned how none of those three guys really had to like take over the game or dominate the ball and they still all ended up with 20 plus points. So that's yeah. a really good sign. And, and and that's the thing is it's that sounds elementary, but a lot of teams ego can be a real bear if mm-hmm. you have it. And a lot of teams have a guy where you know, they may not be comfortable with another guy getting all those points or or what they see sure. as their points. Mm-hmm. And you do not see that mentality with CJ, BI, Zion, I, I think they're happy to share it. I don't see any drama coming from someone else getting numbers. It seems like they're happy to just see the numbers go up team-wise instead of just padding their own stats. Yeah, and even deeper than the ego part of it, which is definitely a factor, like you say, I think for a lot of guys, you get to this point in the end where you're an NBA player, you've had success in your career, high school, college, now in the pros, and you don't want to change the way you play. You, you, you say... I've made tons of money. I've made gotten tons of accolades. I've been an all-star by playing the way I play, which is for some guys it is I shoot almost every time I touch the ball or I look at the rim every time I touch the ball and then I figure out option, other options after when I haven't – as a last resort, I'm going to pass the ball. But not having that mentality helps a team a ton. I think that's really what it is for a lot of guys is just refu- – not I don't know if refusal is the right way to put it, but just – a lot of hesitance to change the way that you play. So yeah. you got to be able, you have to be able to adjust to the situation, even like defensive coverages. And I think that's what these guys have a ton is just the understanding of to adjust to the way that the, the, the other team is covering them as well as just the understanding of like this team has a ton of weapons. You got yeah. guys like Trey Murphy 
coming off the bench, Deep just depth, just draining threes. Uh, um, you got a bunch of other guys off the bench that can score. So that's stuff all bodes well is in terms of the success of the team overall that these guys are going to play unselfishly. Depth is nice, but the amount of depth we have, I, I saw a tweet saying basically, imagine Brandon Ingram just absolutely going off on you. And then you look at the scores table and CJ McCollum and Zion are waiting to check in. That's absurd. And and you mentioned Trey Murphy. I mean, he his range is absolutely deadly. And it's something that we cannot overstate how important it is to this team, especially the way it's constructed. You actually have outside. Look at how bad the Lakers are doing right now because of the lack of shooting. Mm-hmm. And look at the amount of weapons and the amount of ways this Pelicans team can hurt you offensively. Trey Murphy is a huge part of that. It looks like he's making a big second-year jump. Yeah, I think he's got a chance through. I mean, if, you, if it was one-game one awards, I would yeah. say he's a he's chance for most improved player, but he also has a chance for six-man of the year. or yeah. Maybe I should say six-man of the game, of the one game. But, yeah, off to a great start. He has a chance to make a big jump this year. Pelicans were 12 for 26 from three, and he was obviously a huge part of that with him going four for six. But also speaking of depth, we talked a lot in preseason, and rightfully so, about Dyson Daniels. He he he's not even in the rotation, yeah. and, and that just shows, shows you how many good players that they have. I'm sure there are a, are a ton of teams across the NBA that if they had Dyson Daniels on their roster, he would be right in the mix of the rotation and For a guy sure. coming off the bench maybe playing 20 plus minutes. But because you have so many guys that can play, it's going to be maybe a slower process to see him get into the mix with more minutes. It's such a it's such a great thing to be able to ease him in and to not put that pressure on him immediately. I think it's going to help his game a lot. And I think a lot of the reason you see the cohesion of this team and, and the unselfishness is it is a young team. They all kind of came in together. It, it just seems like like legitimately they were grown together in this environment. And that's a big reason why you don't see a lot of this unselfishness. Yeah, I like your point, too, about the luxury of not having to force a guy that you just picked in the first round in June onto the court to be part of the rotation. If you think about it of the three rookies that did really well by the end of last season, Herb was the only one that from the jump of the beginning of the season last year was immediately contributing. Jose um, didn't really get a great opportunity until January. And then he took it and ran with it. Trey had a bunch of ups and downs, spent a brief amount of time in the G league struggled with his shot, and then by February he took off as well. So um, you can't always expect a rookie to come in and be great and have figured it out immediately. So that is a nice plus as well to be able to bring Dyson along slowly. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. It's He could play a ton more minutes like yeah, who knows? Uh, soon. Look, I, I saw this Nets game circled on the calendar, and we talked about it on the podcast. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, man, the Nets. Mm-hmm. And then as, as as it got closer, I was like, I really feel like this is a winnable game. But I didn't expect that kind of win. I mean, is that the sort of performance you were expecting against the Nets? No. I mean, not. To, I, th- I thought they had a really good chance to win the game, and they have a bunch of advantages over the Nets that we've already kind of gone into, either in this show or previous ones. But to just do it by the margin that they did, I think, was really the thing that stood out to me and a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. And... Now we're looking forward to this game in Charlotte against the Hornets, our old namesake. Uh, I mean, how are you viewing this game? This looks like a juicy matchup. No LaMelo ball. And then the Pelicans are going to have their starting five again. Everybody's healthy. Uh, what are you looking forward to in this game? Yeah, I think it's funny when you have an opener that is such a smashing success as the Pelicans had. 
the thing that you hope doesn't happen is that you have a little bit of a letdown or like yeah, a you don't mental, hang over. mental drop off. But really both teams, the, the Hornets had a great opener as well. Granted, it wasn't really against the same caliber of competition. They beat San Antonio 129 to 102. But like you said, they're missing LaMelo Ball. Uh, Miles Bridges isn't isn't on the team right now because of his off-the-court issues. So that's two pretty huge pieces to a team that was pretty good last year and uh, was a play-in team. But I think one of the things that stood out from their game against the Spurs was that they had seven guys scoring double figures. Um, their entire starting lineup was shot 50% from the field, every single one of those guys. So this is an offense that can put up numbers. They've definitely been had problems the last several years on the defensive end, finishing you know near the bottom of the league in defensive efficiency. So that's going to be, I think, for them a real key is can they keep the Pelicans' offense somewhat in check and not allow New Orleans to put up 130 points the way that they did in Wednesday's game. But overall, I'm just curious to see how the Pelicans follow up, how well they played in the game against Brooklyn I think this game tonight, I'm sure, will be a, a good atmosphere. It's Charlotte's home opener as well, so there'll be some excitement. Yeah. In the no, and, and you just want to keep the momentum rolling. I mean, there's nothing but good vibes in New Orleans surrounding the Pelicans. I was up all night just gobbling up Twitter, uh, which you know I don't typically do for my own mental health. <laughs> but the, my favorite tweet, I think, of the night uh, after the Pelicans uh, win over the Nets was by Flea. From the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who said the Pelicans are a beautiful basketball team. Seeing the reach of the people that are now looking at the Pelicans when they used to go, the Pelicans. Uh Oh, it's it's, it's good to see that turn, that shift happening. Yeah, and I think, I believe, don't quote me on this, I have to look this up real quickly. I believe that that's the Pelicans' official Twitter account. It it is. Last time I checked, it was the uh, official bio. Because they were were, um, requesting fans to send in their suggestions for what the bio should change to and it turned out that it didn't come from a pelicans fan it came from a lakers fan ironically <laughs> yeah of flea is a huge i think he's like a season ticket holder he's always at their games yeah i know so, he plays like a lakers colored bass guitar a lot of yeah times on yeah stage. so that was kind of uh kind of funny to see that he uh he and his ends up being the one that generates the uh the new <laughs> pelicans bio but i love it it's very well said that what what we saw Wednesday was definitely beautiful. Look and fitting that uh, that a Lakers fan is contributing to uh, to what we have now because <laughs> I think we can really say thanks Lakers for a lot of the success we're seeing now and a lot of the future success we might see because boy they're looking bad right now again only two games in but their pick is looking nah, juicy. Yeah, they and they have a very difficult schedule coming up too. They actually have four games between now and when they play the Pelicans on New Orleans' road trip coming up West Coast here in a little bit. So I'm, I'm interested to see how many wins they can pick up because they're playing against some – they play Portland on Sunday, which not really sure yet what to think of them. But after that, they have, um, I think, Denver a couple times and Minnesota and teams like that. So, I mean, it's it's not a fun way to start the season, and it's they're not – things are not looking very good for the Lakers. And I, I know that everyone around here is just broken up and sad about that. Yeah. I mean, just a lot of tears flowing for those poor guys. I mean, that that's the thing is we talk about cohesion and, and, you know, camaraderie a lot here and uh, body language, but they look demoralized early and it's two games in. If they really get a foot put on their throats, you could just watch them collapse. And, um, boy, that would keep me up at night. You know, that would just be so so sad. <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of the uh, shirts that people have of, like, my two favorite teams are 
the Pelicans and any team that's playing against the Lakers. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny like how much people are keeping an eye on the Lakers, and I feel like if they continue to struggle the way that they are, that's only going to ramp up even more. That some nights we see just as many tweets about the Lakers as we do the Pelicans when the Pelicans aren't playing. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I might as well have a separate list on my Twitter of uh, Lakers hate because <laughs> that's almost as fun to read as Pelicans good news, Jim. Thanks for being the surprise guest today, man. I think we dazzled them. <laughs> well, I hope I, I hope I didn't disappoint in my, you know, we, there was a lot of hype about this of who's going to be the mystery guest. And, and, uh, you know, I just hope I was able to live up to Look, it. I know it's a podcast and you can't see Jim right now, but he came in dressed as the masked singer. Uh, <laughs> so it was a big reveal. There was a fog machine and, you know, so it was, it was really dramatic. I wish you could have seen it, but I appreciate the effort you put in there, Jim. Yes. That was quite the uh, intro that you gave as well. I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> What a podcast. I hope you're a fan of mysteries because we had a big one solved today. That that was like an M. Night Shyamalan movie to me. You know, just who could it be? The man it always was. <laughs> Jim, I can offer. I cannot wait. I absolutely cannot wait to see the atmosphere at the Smoothie King Center for our home openers. It seems like we're playing everybody else for their home openers right now. Mm-hmm. And finally, we get our chance at the Smoothie King Center up against the Jazz, man, the atmosphere is going to be electric. Already sold out. Uh, I, I cannot remember a more anticipated home opener than, than we've got coming up. Nor can I. I mean, it's been a while since I think – I can't remember when the last time the home opener sold out, but, I mean, this has been through the roof. Whatever the most recent home sellout for the opener was, it wasn't sold out, you know, two weeks before the game yeah. and that kind of thing. So – Everyone that was in the Smoothie King Center in April for the playoffs is looking forward to this. Um, they're giving away T-shirts again, so I think we're going to see kind of a similar atmosphere, and people are are just fired up. And like I said, the tickets went probably almost as swiftly as the ones for the playoffs did. So it's going to be it's going to be great to be there Sunday night. No, absolutely. And and look, uh, I I'm not old enough to you know be a Pistol Pete guy or anything like that. But something still bothers me about the jazz having that name when it's illegal to play jazz in Utah. <laughs> uh, and so there, there does it does feel good to beat the jazz. And I really want that win. See, I something you learn new you learn every day. I did not realize that it was illegal in in I'm pretty in Utah. sure. Okay, I, I'm not going to Google it, <laughs> but I know most things are frowned upon there. We'll, uh, we'll have to get our jazz music. We'll have to get our fact checkers on that. But yeah, but yeah, no, we'll I, get the squad. But on. I understand what you're saying. No. Um, yeah, that, that's been – I've heard so many people over the years say, man, they need to tell Utah to give us our name back. I don't. It's definitely not going to happen now, and it wasn't going to happen before either because, yeah. as I've said many times, the era of John Stockton and Karl Malone cemented Utah Jazz as a brand and as something that people are familiar with. And also I think one thing that people often forget too is they have tons of – every team in the NBA has tons of international fans. So I think the international fans would be irate if you – said, you know, they've come to embrace jazz as their name, even though it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But so, yeah, that ship has sailed. Yeah. But but, uh, but I understand what you're saying. But in terms of um, Sunday's game, I mean, they're, the jazz are a team that people thought were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. and Yeah, rebuilding. Sh- right, struggle to compete. And obviously they're going to play again um, Friday against the Timberwolves before we have another show. But they start off 1-0. They beat – 
Denver 123 to 102, which was really the most shocking result of the first three days of the NBA season. Um, they had seven guys in double figure scoring. Um, Colin Sexton had 20 points off the bench for Utah in that game. It's one of those things where I feel like people throughout the offseason talk about, you know, this team isn't going to be any good. This team isn't going to try to compete. They're not going to, you know, they're going to struggle against everybody. But the guys that are there on the roster are like, yeah, what they are you didn't get about? that memo. Right, exactly. And um, they do have a bunch of guys. I don't want anyone to go into this game thinking like, yeah, Utah, they're trying, they're playing for next year. Yeah, no one's going to roll over for the Pelicans just after we got one big win against right. Brooklyn. And they have, I mean, if you look at the list of guys on the ro- on their roster, between Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson was sixth man of the year. Conley has, is a former all-star. Yeah. Rudy Gay is a guy that has done a lot of good stuff against the Pelicans when he was with the Spurs and the Grizzlies before that. Um, Malik Beasley is a good offensive player off the bench that used to be play for the Timber or yeah, for the Timberwolves. And um, they have a bunch of guys that can hurt you. So um, it's not like they have some of the teams in the NBA right now that are fielding a slew of guys that are in their first and second year and maybe aren't that talented or aren't that established. They're the opposite of that. They're, they're kind of in a lot of ways, what you don't think of when you think of a team that people expect to win 20 games because just based on they have a lot of guys that have done a lot in their career yeah i mean maybe they don't have like a star big three or something which is you know fashionable in the nba now but they've got advanced role players just sprinkled all over the team and they're hungry you know they heard that chatter about them being a rebuilding team and how they're not Mm going to be good and i think they want to prove everybody wrong Let's just not let them do that against the Pelicans. They remind me of the Pelicans maybe last year when people are like, who is Herbert Jones playing 30 right. minutes? Like, well, he'll show you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, like you said, uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if a lot of their players behind closed doors when they're talking to each other in the locker room are like, listen to what these people are saying about us. Listen, mm-hmm. to, about, listen to what people say about, yeah, you guys are just placeholders that they're going to – they're, you're there until they can find somebody better and that you have no chance to be a good team. And they came out right off the bat against a team that Denver team that people were really excited about that they had – the Nuggets had some guys coming back from injury and they just ran them off the floor. Yeah. So, I mean, that was that was stunning that they beat them by 21. We'll see how the Jazz do against Minnesota in their second game. But um, but 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 either way, really looking forward to Sunday's game. Just regardless of who the opponent was, this was going to be a fun night. No, absolutely, it's opening night, so gird your loins. Uh, and look, it, we we're going to see how we do against Charlotte uh, tonight. So there, there's plenty of fun games leading up to it. But be in that number if you. I uh, hope you have a ticket for that home opener because it's going to be a celebration. And Jim, I expect to see you in a in a scarf doing the Jose chant. You know, tipping some. <laughs> Tipping some beers out or something. I know you got riding to do, but you know it's fine. I will definitely be there. The other stuff on your list, <laughs> I don't know if I can I can check that off, but I yeah. definitely will be in attendance. So I can I can sit here and promise you that. Yeah, maybe after you'll be second lining alone in the street, you know, <laughs> or something. But uh, Jim Eichenhofer, thanks so much for joining me as always, but especially today as the mystery guest. It was a fun one, man. And we will see you on Monday with another podcast. Uh, Jim is going to be out of town. I will have Miss Aaron Summers, our team reporter, uh, co-hosting the podcast with me. And Mr. David Wesley will be joining us. So look forward to that. No mysteries this time. We're telling you well in advance so you can get all weekend to get excited about it. Thanks for joining us on the Pelicans podcast. And until then, go Pels. 
Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Life is uncertain. It's okay to feel stressed, anxious, worried, or frustrated. CalHOPE can help. Access CalHOPE's free and secure mental health resources. Call 833-317-4673 or live chat at calhope.org. At the intersection of sports, community, and media, you'll find the future. And the Play It Forward Foundation is paving the way to that future through building, educating, and exposing youth to opportunities. The Play It Forward Foundation, or PIF, elevates and equips elite young athletes through NIL branding to support their development and secure their future. Learn more at PIFFoundation.org. That's PIFFoundation.org. Play It Forward Foundation, creating opportunities. Make mealtime a blast at Johnny Rockets. It's your spot for burgers, shakes, fries, and fun for the whole family, even your little Rocketeers. And it's super easy to order, too. Dance your way on over to one of our locations or go online at johnnyrockets.com to order all-American classics like fresh, never-frozen certified Angus beef burgers, crispy fries, and premium hand-spun classic shakes. Pick up from your favorite location or, better yet, have it delivered straight to your home in just a few clicks. Join us for fun times at Johnny Rockets. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.